Just think about when you're lying in his arms and you feel peace and bliss and warmth. That's where you want to go. Nothing else matters than that. That's why the mess around the house doesn't matter after great sex, because all we want is to give and receive love. That's what we're born to do. We're born to be loving wives, <laughs> nurturing, loving, peaceful, not angry. Welcome to Married 2.0. I'm your host, Amy Sanders. I'm a fitness and wellness pro, mom, stepmom, second wife, and master certified life coach. I'm here to help you manage your emotions, your relationships, and life so you can live a healthier, happier life. Welcome to the podcast. Amy Sanders here on Marriage 2.0. And today, our topic is so good. It's so good, guys. The title you've already seen, but I have Coach Samantha with me. And she specializes in helping angry women stop fighting with their husbands. (laughs) And you may or may not think that you are an angry woman, but if you're fighting with your husband, regardless of where you are at in your mind around it, I'm sure she has awesome advice for us today. So warm welcome to you, Samantha. Thank you so much for being here on the podcast. And can you just give me a little bit of background on how you came like just fell into this niche of helping these women stop fighting with their husbands. Thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of a background story. I think it dates all the way back to my mom and maybe her ancestors. So my mom had a lot of love and a lot of anger. And when I met the love of my life, I experienced that in my, in my marriage too, what I experienced growing up, which was a lot of fighting and love turning into hate and back to love, like, (laughs) and it, it happened for me as well in my marriage. And I couldn't understand where it was coming from. It'd be like out of the blue, just anger. And I still have some of it with my kids. It's much better, but it could just like, it happened so suddenly. And afterwards I'm all like shocked. And I remember my stepdad saying my mom was so loving after she got angry, she'd be all, all, you know, all loving and forgiving and kind of a shell shock. So my clients seem to have that same anger issues, a lot of them, but you don't have to have anger issues to, to get help and to, to use this knowledge that I'm sharing today. But for some of you, you may have it and you may feel ashamed about it. And it's, I learned that it's a taboo. Nobody wants to be called an angry wife, but people would like call me up and say, yeah, I'm a recovered angry wife too. But my marketing team would keep telling me, no, but don't say that. Nobody wants to be an angry wife. And I get that, but it's completely normal for a lot of us. And for some, it's not. And if you don't have these angry issues, you maybe cannot relate to it. But if you do, you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, it just happens like that. And it's my friends. it's always towards the ones you love the most and it's it's about self-destruction I think and being mad at yourself deep down yeah I love that you say that I just had this thought of I have this group of friends that we've been literally hanging out since we were 12 for so long we're now in our 40s and we call it the rage (laughs) so we call it we're like I'm raging right now how do I deal with this but the funny thing is I don't think any of us are necessarily like angry people by nature but we all experience that rage and there's eight of us. And so I know that you might not be like, Oh, I'm this like angry wife, except for there's those times, even if it's like the time of the month that you might be feeling this rage and lashing out at these husbands. So this hasn't always been your profession though, right? Like you, you did something else and then you, and you started coaching on this, correct? 
Yeah, I was in investment banking and IT startup. I was a very ambitious myself. And then my mom passed away and a lot of things happened. And to deal with her death, I dealt with the life I had together with her. So when loved one goes away, it's not about dealing with death, but the whole life. And it just turned into this niche of make love, not war. That seemed to be my life theme together with my mom. So up in heaven, we went on this journey together and interviewed over a hundred experts to find out why I was so angry with my husband. And what I experienced interviewing all these experts was that none of their advice I could use because my husband didn't want to do couples night or couples meetings, or he just didn't function like that. So whatever advice they gave me, it just made it all worse. So I had to, to figure out my own stuff and my own 12 steps and my own way to manage emotions. And, and it has nothing to do with the I feel statements. There are just things that you can't use if you are, if you can't manage your emotions, the normal, you know, techniques, they don't really apply. So it's, it's, it's about really overriding your bad habits, just like an addiction. So anger is an addiction. And I just did a great session with John Gray and he explained how anger uh, affects the brain, just like cocaine. So it's just as addictive as cocaine. So it's like, I call it peeing in your pants. It can be blaming or shaming or anger. It, it feels, you get a little bit of relief, but then it just, ah, it's really bad afterwards, right? <laughs> So that's what anger and blaming and lashing out is all about is the wiring in your brain. And it is an addiction. There's something called rageaholic. So to me, I look at everything like that addictions and implementing new and better habits. So we have this whole like whirlwind or tidal wave of bad habits, no matter what it is, it can be sleeping late or whatever. And then we can implement like one step at a time, just like AA, we can, we can implement a new habit and you can actually learn to gradually manage your emotions because if you don't manage them they will manage you and you'll drive off a cliff because insecurity is in the driver's seat so think about forgiveness it's not forgiveness is not a feeling it's a choice and it's the same with this like you have one percent free will but you can choose to recommit to not blaming and not shaming and be okay with the fact that you just did it that's okay but then you can set your mind to it and you could grab a hold of that one percent of free will <laughs> that's not habits and subconscious and all that and then gradually it becomes just like forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling, but it can turn into a feeling over time once you practice it. So like, even though it, it takes willpower and commitment to recommit to not blaming, because that's just, you know, for me, I blame my husband for everything. <laughs> just implement it <laughs> one step at a time and you will overwrite your bad habits with new habits. So your bad habits will always be there in your brain. You can look at it at a scan. It's always there, but you can implement new habits. And it just takes practice and it takes self-forgiveness and being okay with the fact that you're lashed out and you shout it. Sometimes it's like you see it as a test. Okay, here, I can stop saying that stupid thing that will upset my husband. Then you say it anyway. And the fact that you see it as a test in the moment will, could, may lead to a period of time where you feel like, oh, I can't do it because I see now that I have an option to stop talking and not say that stupid thing or not do that. And then you do it anyway. But in that period of time, once you see what I call the tests or the gift of learning and everything that beep pisses you off about your husband, right? It's a gift of learning. There's a learning opportunity to actually act differently and not say that thing that upsets him, right? You know, when you say that, you know, you think about, I shouldn't say this, I shouldn't say that. And you say it anyway. And anyway, and he, yeah. gets, and he gets all sad and closed up, right? So it doesn't matter if you keep saying that stupid thing or you keep behaving stupidly. It's actually okay as long as you see the test in front of you, that there's an option to act differently and just be okay with the fact that you go on automatic. We can't control our mouth. Our mouth is the hardest thing to control, right? Mm -hmm. So 
be okay with that and just be glad and know once you see the test, <laughs> the gift of learning, once you see it, you will eventually pass it and not say that thing that will upset him. So over at some point, you're going to pass that test and it's going to be okay until you do it. It's okay because managing our mouth is really, really difficult. So the way to manage your mouth is really to manage your mind. Or the, you could say that the way to manage your emotions is to manage your mind. And the way to manage your mind is first of all, not to use it, <laughs> to go into nature or like what I call my angry wife, shock treatment is jumping butt naked into the freezing ocean. So I do that almost every morning. And that helps, of course, it's more temporarily, right? But at that state, you're in alpha brainwave state. So when you're in nature, when you're in yoga or when you're exercising, you're not using your mind, you're not thinking. And that's the best way to manage your mind is to not use it. So find things that create self-love. For me, it's jumping in the ocean and being in nature. Yeah, let, me, let me ask you that for that. Or Sorry, let me ask you about that for a minute. So it's managing your mind, which I understand. How does a woman get to that place. Like when she's wanting to rage and she's like wanting to like lash out at her husband. And it's like that split second where you have to pause and you have to like reflect like, okay, never mind. I'm not going to do this. Are you saying that as long as you're practicing on self-care outside of those moments, mm -hmm. outside of those moments, making sure you're doing the things that bring you some sort of happiness and not ruminating in these thoughts, it's going to help you with those anger issues. In the moment, I'm not able to control anything. So there are things you can do outside of the moment. So one is being in alpha brainwave states, that's 7.89 megahertz. The other thing is the day-to-day -day stories. So when you're annoyed at him and you pick up his socks or the plates, if you tell yourself the story, it's the, so here's the number one secret to communication in marriage that nobody else talks about. It's not how you communicate with your husband. It's how you communicate with yourself because it's those self-dialogues that will eventually lead you to lash out. So change the conversation you have with yourself inside your head about your husband. That's the key. Because if you if you sing stories to yourself, oh, son, why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? Sooner or later, you're going to lash out because you're building up. You're making excuses for bad behavior. So bad behavior is blaming, complaining, hosting a huge pity party and lashing out. So it's just, it's bad behavior because it doesn't get you where you want to go and you want to get to connection. So there's yeah. bad behavior. Good behavior. Good behavior gets you to connection, which could be making love or feeling in love or just, you know, where you give and receive love at the same time. So good behavior gets you there. That's honesty, vulnerability, gratitude, all these amazing things yeah. that you can choose from. So for one second, sorry, I just want to interrupt you while I'm right here, because I always tell my clients, I'm like, your thoughts about someone is in direct correlation to your relationship with them. Like if you have all these crappy thoughts about this person, you're going to show up that way. And so it's like, you have to stop in the thought process and be like, okay, guess what? If I want a better relationship with him, I need to figure out why I'm so bugged about this. And if I'm really that bugged, I can probably just have a conversation about it instead of staying in that mindset of like, oh, I'm so bugged. He doesn't pick up his shoes. I'm so bugged that he's home from work. Da, 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 da. Yeah. So here's what happens. It becomes an excuse, right? So you have an excuse. You build up before you lash out by the conversations inside of your head. So you keep telling yourself it's so annoying. If you really loved me, then he would do this and he would do that. Sooner or later, you're going to lash out. So we lash out and it's bad behavior. Then comes all the excuses afterwards. 
no, but honey, I just want you to understand. I just did it because da, 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 da. So when you explain something, you defend it, right? So when you've done nothing wrong, you have no need to explain. So if you feel a need to explain yourself, which is always the critical factor in any argument is the need to explain because that's what prolongs the argument. So you think you can solve the argument by explaining, but explaining is the reason for the argument. So we think, oh, if I could just get him to see this, but the reason we want him to see this is because we don't want to be judged on our bad behavior. So because we did something deep down, we know we shouldn't have lashed out. We feel sorry about it. We regret it. So we come up with all these explanations afterwards. And that's what gets in the way of connection. It's not the bad behavior. It's not the crime. It's the cover up. It's, it's actually okay to lash out. It happened. It's already happened. It doesn't matter. Just admit it. Move on. Mommy was angry. Mommy shouted. I shouldn't have. I was a bitch. I shouldn't have. I shamed you. I blamed you. I shouldn't have. Stop with the explanations because they stand in the way of your honesty and your connection. So the explanation, just know that the reason you explain is because deep down you regret it. Deep down, you know you're a loving wife, you know you're a loving mother, and you hate him for not being able to be that loving wife that you're born to be, right? So that's what the root cause is that you are disappointed in yourself. So stop blaming yourself. Then you will stop blaming him. <laughs> it's blame spillover. The only key is to forgive yourself. So admit it and move on. It's just simple, bad behavior, good behavior. You want to get to connection. You don't want to clean house. You don't want him to take out the garbage. You want to feel connection. You want to feel what it feels like to give and receive love at the same time, because that's what we're created to do. So stop fooling yourself by these practical things that if you just understood this, or if you just did that or the other, then you'd be happy. Just know, does the mess around the house matter after great sex? Does it? No. Really How can something no. evaporate out of thin air? How can it disappear? after great sex, because what we want is love and connection. So ask yourself these questions before you open your mouth. Do I have any blame inside of myself? Yes or no? If yes, which we do most of the time, stop talking, <laughs> kiss him, leave the room. Okay, if you have no blame inside of yourself, which is very hard to even ask these questions, but if you get to this level of leadership that somehow someday you're able to ask yourself another question, <laughs> if you're able to stop talking, if you have blame inside of yourself, plus a student. Next question is, what is my intention with opening my mouth? What is it that I want? And is what I'm going to say, will that get me to my intention? What is my intention? And is what I'm going to say going to get me there? Most likely not, right? So if you can even, the second level is asking, what is my intention with opening my mouth? We're probably pretty good at this with clients or other people or the neighbors, <laughs> the ones we love. It just goes. And the, the third level is, what do I want? What do I really want? And stop fooling yourself by these practical solutions to an emotional problem. You don't, you, you, the brain just lash it out at something and point. I just, if he just cleans the table, if he just does this and that, then I'll be happy. No, <laughs> you're not going to be. You're fooling yourself because you don't understand your own emotions. That's why we keep explaining our emotions to our husband because we don't understand. How is he going to understand them? Woman, your husband will never, ever understand you. Stop trying to explain no. it to him. Know that you don't understand it. So you keep pointing to things logically. And that's the lie. That's how we lie to ourselves all the time. And we want to stay in that practical story that if you just did this or understood that. So the solution, the problem is, is actually what you think is the solution is the actual problem in the argument. <laughs> can you give me, can you give me an example of that saying the solution is actually the problem in the argument? Can you give me like just an idea of what you're talking about here. So the listeners can be like, oh wait, yeah, 
Yeah, so let's say you want to try to make him understand. So I was writing a, an angry text message. No, I was, I was like, I lashed out at my husband because he came home late with the kids one night. So I stayed in the story. My story was I worked really hard on bedtimes and he's just screwing it all up, coming home on a school night, 930 in the evening and one kid's five. So obviously he's in the wrong, so to speak. But the real problem was that I felt jealous and felt all alone in the bed waiting for them to come home when he had his oldest son, my stepson. So there was other things going on, but on the surface level, I was just really angry and upset that he came home late. Mm. The practical thing is the kids need to go to school and then I get all this oh, boo for me all these nights. I, I'm the only one implementing bedtimes, right? So it's very easy to get hurt and upset and be in a pity party. And then the next day I was writing a very long text message explaining to him why I acted the way I did because I wanted him not to judge me on it. But all I was doing was really saying, what I did was right, what you did was wrong. So that need to explain, that becomes the problem. Yeah. So you need to defend your actions becomes a problem because you don't realize you don't want to defend it because deep down, and it's way, way deep down, <laughs> we know we did something wrong, but the more we did something wrong, the more we're pointing towards him. There was another time where he took the kids no, he took his eldest son. It's always his oldest son because of jealousy. It's my stepson, right? Or it used to be. And I don't realize this one is going on, but he left our kids at home and went out sailing with him. And I felt like, oh, and I felt so angry because I was covering up that deep down, it was just my own insecurity and jealousy. But so the more we point at him, the more we're in the wrong, but we don't realize that because it hurts. And we see that proof. And we're so focused on what the, what the problem is, what he did wrong. So just know that if you did nothing wrong yourself, you wouldn't even be thinking that he did anything wrong. <laughs> That's yeah. the truth. So it, it, it takes a lot to, to see what's going on underneath it all. But just trust that the more you blame him, the more you're covering up some kind of lie inside of yourself. There is some part of you that's, that's acting out of fear and insecurity instead of love and trust. So it's always about whether or not it's fear and insecurity that's leading you or it's, it's love and trust. Yeah, I love that. It's, it doesn't matter if it's deep down, right? Like if we, we talk about deep down, like it just, if you're pointing fingers, let's just step back for a second and reflect and see what else is going on. Yeah, we can become so like, I remember the point in my marriage where I didn't want to get, you know, back at him. I used to feel like you hurt me so much. I'm going to get you back. Like vengeance, like how childish is that to want vengeance? But how many people actually do that in their marriage? Because like, you hurt me. I hate you. I'm going to get you back. <laughs> so there are two mechanisms, right? You build a fortress against your around your heart I think my husband did that I only did that once where you try to I'm never going to let you inside again inside these walls or you could be like blaming and be angry and like you did this you hurt me oh it hurts so much like really melodramatic so just see what goes on inside of you and understand what is your motive behind for example fixing the problem if he gets in his shell and you want him back it's because I know that I did that. I went, I said or did something stupid that made him jump inside of his shell. So why do I want him back? So if my first story is I'm the one trying to come to you and get you out of your shell again, here I am doing all this good, you're not coming out. What I'm doing is I'm being on my own agenda because I want to fix my own wrongs. So you may not realize that you're trying to fix your own wrongs, 
because you come so hell-bent on fixing the problem, but why do you need to fix the problem? Whatever the problem is, him being in his shell or something, if you're eager to fix a problem, it's because you wanna fix your own wrongs and you don't have trust in the moment. <laughs> and then you're just telling him once again, like men have been told their entire life by women that they're doing something wrong. So when my boys come over and they hit me, I go, ow, it hurts, stop it. And when they're in school, they get told by their female teachers that they're doing something wrong because the whole school system is not built for them. So they're just used to hearing that, right? And then they become married. And then we tell them again, you did something wrong. And they're like fed up to hear, <laughs> but doing yeah. something wrong. And when I'm trying to pull him out of his shell, and, and the reason I'm so eager to do that is because I feel like a failure at love. When I say something stupid that closes him off, I feel like, oh my God, I did it again. I ruined everything. So when I'm trying to get him out of his shell, really eagerly, and on the surface, I'm being the good one, right? I'm trying to fix the problem again. But what I'm really doing is I'm telling him again that he's doing something wrong and I'm being on my own agenda. That's the difference, right? So the one time I realized this and I just sat next to him and I batted him on the back, he came out way faster, right? Because I'm not trying to pull him out. And yeah. when, you pull, when you want to pull your husband out and he's not able or ready, you're again telling him you're doing something wrong. So you just think about, just ask yourself this question. Instead of asking, ah, why doesn't he do this? Why doesn't he do that? Why is he so stupid? Ask yourself this, gee, I wonder how he feels. It's such a powerful this? question. Like, what if we look at him from his perspective on our behavior? What are we doing to close them off? Especially because men, a lot of times, don't know how to deal with this crazy emotion that women yeah. pretty much just put on them. Right. They're like, so simple you know, compared to us. yeah, yeah. I was just it's earlier today, I was talking to my husband and there's been like some family stuff that we've been dealing with. That's pretty stressful. And <laughs> you know, I'm a coach and he's used to like my coaching methods and stuff. So he's like, he's learned, he's all Amy. I don't, I don't know what to do right now. Do I just, do I just need to, to listen? I'm not trying to fix anything. Right. And I was like, and I'm not in trouble. Right. I'm like, no, 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 You know, but it was funny. Cause he, he's gotten to that point where he's like, uh, what, what do you need from me? I just, I don't know what to do. I'm like, yeah. don't understand us because we don't understand ourselves. And that's what so, I had to tell him. I was like, I really don't even know what's going on. Cause he's like, you say this and then you say this and then you say this, they're all totally different. And I'm like, I, I, I know he's like, so what is wrong? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know how to help you. He's very honest. Yeah. He's like, do you just need to process these emotions? And I was like, yes. He's like, like, I haven't done anything wrong. I was like, yes, you haven't done anything wrong. You're okay. You know, hugging, hugging and kissing. I usually just, I used to just kiss my husband because then I wouldn't speak. So I could hear myself coming out with all these bitching, complaining things. We just run over and kiss him because then we can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's an easy solution, right? Just close it's up. Like, well, no, it's literally a choice, but at some point you need to talk also in words. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. the heat of the moment is not the time, right? So like when the yeah. Like so honesty, be honest about what's going on. Be honest about your excuses. Be honest about that you're blaming and then take responsibility by asking the right questions. Gee, I wonder how he feels. And then choice, fail and recommit to whatever you're committed to. If it's not blaming, recommit to that if that's what you're training and exercising. So there are 12 steps in my 12 steps and only two of them are something you shouldn't do. It's stop hosting your own pity party and then stop blaming and complaining. It's the same. So there's only two not to do's and the rest are things you can choose to do. So if if you're practicing not blaming, you just recommit. You're going to blame again and again. Just commitment should really be called recommitment. That's a quote from Gay Hendricks. 
So just forgive yourself, recommit, do the step again. Okay, this week it's no blaming. Okay, whatever it happens, breakdown, no blaming. And blaming, look at your conversations. So you can blame directly or indirectly. I did the most powerful thing the, the day I learned how to manage my emotions and I was following my emotions my entire life. I've been managed by my emotions and just running after them wherever they took me, right? But this one day I hung up the phone with my mom, which was still alive. And I just decided because it was just a bitch party. She's going to say, yes, he should do that. All your friends are going to say, oh, it's too bad for you. They're going to like, they want to help you, but they're not because they're not interrupting your conversation. They're just putting fuel to it, right? So I hung up the phone and I decided I'm never going to say or think another negative thing about my husband ever again, because it just doesn't help. So I got really stubborn. Every time my, my girlfriends want to have that conversation about their husband or my husband, I'm just really stubborn about never saying anything, anything negative. But people think I'm like, okay, it's too much. You, you can't put all the blame on yourself, but it's the way forward is to never say or think anything negative and then recommit to that. That's how you manage your emotions is by, by forcing yourself not to think anything negative or say, it's just, so I switched, I switched the words instead of slow I'll say, honey, you're so efficient. So I did the flip exercise with everything that triggered me about everything that really triggered me about my husband. It was, you're so slow. You don't ever take action. You're so indecisive and all these things. And when I flipped them to the positive, it was all the qualities that I've always needed husband or no husband. I still, we're, we're actually not together anymore, but he's so patient and patience is the number one thing that's going to make my life so much better is patience. Right? So I get triggered by him being so patient when I flipped it around. What I saw was him being so slow, that triggered me. But really the positive side is all the presence, patience, grounded. So when I got feedback in my leadership training, had nothing to do with my husband, these were the things that I lacked. Patience, grounded, you're totally ungrounded. You're totally, you know, everything that he is. So there's a reason God put your husband in front of you. No matter how much he triggers you, there's gold inside those triggers. So look at them. And what feels the most painful and excruciating and like backed up in a corner, there's so much gold right there. So stay in it, look at it, and there's a gold mine. So even though I call it the gift of learning and everything that pisses you off about your husband, and there's so much gold. You can be so wise. Yeah, your life is going to be better. He's put in front of you to teach you things. So it may feel like it's just all agony, but there is a reason behind the madness. Trust that. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay. So you've shared a lot of awesome information with us. What, if I were to ask you one thing that they can start doing immediately that would move them towards the direction of having a better relationship with their husband, what would it be? One thing, a change the dialogue inside of your head, change your own conversation. Look at what you're saying and ask yourself, does this story serve me? Because there are a lot of truth though. So I used to be a lawyer, right? So a lawyer picks all the facts that backs up the story that you're arguing, right? It's all about an argument. So we, we never say anything that supports the other side. We just say what's it. So you've already made your point and you're finding proof afterwards to fill in your point. So look at the case that you're arguing for and choose what truth you pick up. So it may be the kid should be at bed on time, right? He came home. That's, but why is that truth? That truth is not serving you right now. That truth is not serving me because there are other truths that I could pick up and look at, like that my husband is a great dad. He was out playing in the snow with his children. He's way better at being present with them. Like he, 
there are so many truths that you can pick. So look at what your argument you're presenting and be willing to let go of the most obvious truth that's just going to back up your bitch party. Like, like all your friends are going to agree and, oh, it's too bad. Right. It's not going to get you anywhere. Beep school. I mean, I used to be so obsessed with getting them out of time and it's still important, but it's all about me feeling like a bad mom and wanting mommy cred. So there are things underneath that there are different truths that you can pick up and look at and present to the judge. <laughs> Right. I, I love your analogy of like the attorney and the judge, because yeah, like, yeah, you can you can create whatever story you want to and you can find evidence to back that up. But is that story ultimately going to help you in your marriage? Probably not. You can be right, so, or you can be rich. You can be right or you can be rich, right? You can be right or you can get to connection, but you can't do both. So do you want to be right? Is it going to get is it it's not going to get you to connection. So the connection is the other route <laughs> where you're yeah. not right. The connection is where he's, you're looking at it from his perspective. You're forgetting all your own truth because you're just deluding yourself. We're lying to ourselves. So know this woman watching, we lie to ourselves all the time because emotions lie. There are no logic. They just lie to us, <laughs> except when yeah. we're feeling love and peace. <laughs> so don't get enrolled in what you think is the truth because it's not the truth. <laughs> don't be enrolled in your own stories if that story is not serving. The story is not around, gee, I wonder how he feels then it's not a story that's going to get you to connection. Just think about when you're lying in his arms and you feel peace and bliss and warmth. That's where you want to go. Nothing else matters than that. That's why the mess around the house doesn't matter after great sex, because all we want is to give and receive love. That's what we're born to do. We're born to be loving wives, <laughs> nurturing, loving, peaceful, not angry. Not angry wives. Okay, so if people wanted to get a hold of you, you have a free gift, which is in the session notes, guys, or the, the show notes. So you'll see that link. You can click on that link and you can actually book a session with her. But can you tell them what your free gift is? Yeah, that's a 45 minute session where we go really deep in what you want. And then I will do up to three follow-ups. So three sessions in all. And then you can really see a transformation and you can choose to work with me if you want to. And you get any, all the information you want about the 12 steps and master. So hold up. You just said a 45 minute session plus three follow-up sessions. Two follow-ups. Well, two, fo so but two sessions total though. Yeah. Guys, this is her giving her time as a free gift for you to take advantage of how to draw closer and have more connection with your husband. That is you an amazing gift. One second. Like the longest journey in your life takes one second. And when I talk to people, it just shifts everything for them. I just saw a testimonial. So it's just, if you are dealing with anger issues and if you can relate to what I'm saying about you just explode and you feel really awful afterwards and you don't know why you feel so much hate and anger towards your husband or, and your kids, you can rewire that when you just look at it differently. So it doesn't yeah. have to take three sessions. And then you, you, I have master classes. Whatever you, I feel you need when we talk together, I'll send it to you. you. Have tons of material. But the number one secret to communication really helps. It's about how we communicate with ourselves. So perfect, so perfect. Thank you so much for your time and your generosity. I think that anyone and everyone should take advantage of this amazing free gift you're offering the audience. So thank you again for your time. And guys, I will tune in with you with another episode and we will see you guys later. Hey, who is your life coach? If you don't have one, I'd be honored to be your coach. I've created a virtual coaching program called Thrive Club that I'd like to invite you to join. We address challenges, we work on goals, and ultimately we thrive together. 
There's group coaching, individual coaching, and hundreds of hours of courses and content that I've created just for you. If you're ready to take your life to the next level, then come check out Thrive Club at luckysanders.com forward slash membership.